Well, a very good morning and welcome, Seatry Powerhouse, Melbourne East. We love you guys. It's such a joy to be joining with you on our Vision Sunday 2.0. Uh, I know you've, you've heard uh, from Dan and Eb and Toby on how you've gone in the last 12 months and what we've achieved in the fit out of the building there. Congratulations. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for uh, all the help that you've been given to get the building moving forward and uh, great days ahead. So we love you guys. Put your hands together for Melbourne, guys. They're doing so good. So today we are restating or updating, if you like, the vision. This is the vision of who we are as a church. Our vision hasn't changed for, for decades. Our vision ultimately, it's not about buildings. Our vision ultimately is about lives being transformed. That's ultimately the building is just a, a, a habitation. It's a house where lives can be transformed. 100 New Street is never be, was never the vision. It was actually just a place that God's given us where lives can be changed. And then we buy seats and we do different things where people can sit on those seats and be saved. So lives being transformed. What does lives being transformed look like? Well, we love to see lives being transformed through salvations, through rededications. We love to see people getting water baptized and hear, th hear their testimonies. We love to see people turning from their old ways to follow Jesus, getting filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues. We love to see people encounter the love of God, weeping as God meets them in their pain in His love and kindness. We love to see marriages restored, prodigals return, families reunited. This is what Transformed Lives is all about. We love to see broken hearts healed, minds renewed, and bad habits changed. We love to see addictions broken, anxiety overcome, depression defeated, shame lifted, people supernaturally healed. This is what it means to see lives transformed. We love to see children celebrated and trained up in God's house. Teenagers having fun, making friends and getting on fire for Jesus. We love to see the lonely find family, the hurting find healing, the tormented find freedom. We love to see those who are once self-absorbed learn how to serve others because they've been changed by Jesus. Those who were once greedy learn how to be generous because they've been changed by Jesus. We love to see people grow strong and deep in their faith, deeper in the Word of God, discovering a rich and passionate prayer life. We love to see people discover their God-given gifts, to see them step into their purpose and discover God's calling on their life because our vision is transformed lives. That's who we are. Come on, give the Lord some praise if you believe that. So that's the overarching vision for our church. I love talking about that. I love updating us about that. I love hearing testimonies every week of people whose life in some level is being transformed. That's who we are. Now, uh, a little while ago, a few years ago, we released a dream. A dream is kind of, a vision is this is exactly what we're going for, lives transform. A dream is, wouldn't it be cool if? Wouldn't it be cool if? And I want to show you our dream for the decade. Let's check this out.
We see our church in a season of revival, a powerful move of God with radical salvations, healings, and young people being apprehended for the call of God. We see extraordinary momentum with a thousand people being saved in a year and increasing until one day we see a thousand people saved across a weekend. We see us being a leadership factory. Training, raising up and empowering leaders who are brilliant disciple makers. There is a multiplication of leaders of all ages who are gripped by a strong and unshakable call of God. Which causes them to lay down their lives for the Gospel. We see us established in our new premises on the Sunshine Coast. It's a landmark facility. This will be a demonstration of God's power, a result of a series of miracles that echoes around the nations. The Lord will be glorified for doing exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think. We see new church locations. Starting with Melbourne in 2020. We're believing for five new church plants over the course of the decade. We see these locations supernaturally in their own buildings because we first broke through on the Sunshine Coast. We see our church filled with influencers and entrepreneurs. Innovative, cutting edge marketplace leaders who excel in every sphere of society. Government, media, sport, entertainment, education and business. Entrepreneurs who set the standard for business excellence, leadership and wealth creation. We see our church consistently experiencing powerful healings. There is a breakthrough anointing on our church. People get healed in their seats. During worship and watching online. People are flying in to be in our services because they've heard miracles are happening at C3 Powerhouse. We see us being known for kindness in our communities. Our reputation is for generosity, compassion, and practical help for those in need. We see us a haven of love, hope, and acceptance for all. Radiating God's love into our community and, and beyond. beyond. There we go. That is our dream for the decade. And yes, I've only got one jacket. That's okay. I know, I know, that is our dream. So our vision is transform lives. Our dream, wouldn't it be cool if, is the, are those things that, that are unfolding before our very eyes. And today I wanna talk to you about being a vision builder, a vision builder. If, you, if this is your home church, Melbourne, if this is your home church, online, if this is your home church and the vision resonates inside of your heart, then I want to invite you and encourage you to join with us to be a vision builder, both in prayer, both with your time. But today, particularly, I'm talking about financially being a vision builder. Uh, Luke chapter 16 is a, is a parable that we're going to go to that Jesus talked about. Uh, in verse 1, he said, he, he also said to his disciples, this is the parable, there was a certain rich man who had a steward, and an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. So he called him and said to him, what's this I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship, for you can no longer be steward." Then the steward said with himself, what shall I do? For my master is taking this stewardship away from me. It's like a management role. And I cannot dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I've resolved what to do when I'm put out of the stewardship that I may be received into their houses. So he called every one of his master's debtors to him and said to him, how much do you owe my master? And he said, a hundred measures of oil. 
So he said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. Then he said to another, how much do you owe? And he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, well, take your bill, write down 80. So the master commended the unjust steward. He's a schmuck, actually. But the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. And then Jesus goes on and says a few more things about unrighteous mammon, which is uh, the, we- the wealth of the world, which has captured people's worship and heart and motivation. He goes on a few verses later and says, you can't worship God and mammon. One of those things is going to have your heart. Now, th- I find this to be a fascinating parable. It's a parable about somebody who knows that his time is coming up. He knows that he's, he's got one season in this particular role, but there's an end coming. And so now he's starting to think of how can he set himself up for the season after this particular season. And he goes to work. Now, he's dishonest. He, he's, he, he doesn't do it the right way. He has the authority to do what he does, but he's, he's done it in a dishonest way, in a shrewd way, by preparing himself for the next life by the authority that he has in the current life. And so he writes down all of these debts and all of these bills, and, and he makes friends because he knows that if I've just saved you half your bill... When I finish in this life, you're going to help me in the next life. You're going to welcome me into your home. And Jesus talks about the, the, uh, his, his boss basically saying, well done. I mean, I, I admire that shrewdness. It reminds me a little bit of moments when my boys would come home from school and tell me a particularly funny story of something that they'd got up to that I knew was probably the wrong thing to do, but it tickled my fancy. I don't know if anyone ever had that experience. And so on one hand, you're like, that's so bad. You shouldn't be like that. that. That's not good. Then you go into the other room and you just laugh and you go, that's pretty funny, actually. Quite clever. Anyway, maybe I'm the only dad who does that. Any other dads, give me a wave. Thank you. Thank you. Whew. Okay. And so the master commends him because he's used his resources to prepare for the next season. And Jesus goes on and he says, so I say to you, this is now the point of the parable. This is the point of the story. Make friends for yourselves by using unrighteous mammon. Use the wealth of the world to make friends for yourself. We'll get get to this in a moment. That when you fail, okay, so if we keep that scripture up, when you fail, that's not like when you fail your maths exam. That's, that's not like when you fail your driver's test or when you fail that little test that your wife gave you to see if you were listening. It's not that kind of test. When you fail means when you die. When you die and you go to heaven, okay, so when you die, they might receive you into an everlasting home or another version says an eternal home. Jesus is, is basically, he's taking this and saying, guys, you're going to have resources at your disposal while you're on this world. And they're not, and he's kind of talking to the mindset that says, or oh, unrighteous mammon, I better not have any of it. I better stay away from it so that it doesn't corrupt my heart. 
He says, no, the world are way shrewder than Christians. I want you to be shrewd about this. I want you to think about what you can do so that you use mammon, you use money. Don't let it use you. Don't serve it. Make it serve you, but use it in a wise way to prepare yourself for the life that is to come. And the life that is to come, so really, one of my main jobs as your pastor is to just reinforce to you where we are now in this world, living for that this 70 to 90 to 100 years that we get, it's temporary. It's temporary. Now, the closer you get to the end, the more you realize it's temporary, I'm guessing, right? But it's temporary. This, this life is going to pass. And in, in uh, comparison to eternity, this life is about this long. It's like a flash. It goes so quickly. And the world is trying to make you and I think, no, this is all there is. So spend it, use it, abuse it, have the best time you possibly can. But God wants you to know, no, 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 this is just, this is just a test for the future. You're preparing yourself for the future. So Jesus says, you should use unrighteous, you should use money. Get as much as you can so that you can use it, so that when you die, you're going to walk into heaven and you're going to be welcomed into a whole lot of homes that you wouldn't have been welcomed into unless you'd made friends with unrighteous mammon. Now, I like, this is how I like to think. I like to think of it like this. I, like, I already know I'm going to heaven. I'm pretty confident of this. I'm confident in the cross. I'm confident in Jesus. I'm confident my name is written down in the book of life. So that's sorted for me. So now my number one goal on planet earth is not to get to heaven. It's to get as many people as I can with me into heaven. That's, that's my goal. I want to use resources. I want to use my time to get as many, and not just me. I just don't want to fish alone. I want to fish with the net of the church so we're all working together to win people to Christ, to be empowered as his disciples so together we can get more and more people into heaven with us. So I, when I get to heaven, this is what, I'm going to walk around in heaven and this is what's going to happen. Val and Ben in their beautiful mansion are going to go, like probably years after I go to heaven, obviously, but they're going to go, Pastor John. No, they're just going to go, St. John. I mean, they're just going to go, John. I don't know what they're going to go. They're going to go, hey, come on into our house. We've got the coffee pot on. We're ready to go. We want to welcome you into our eternal home because you made friends with me. You made a way for a, an atmosphere. You used your unrighteous mammon to create an atmosphere, a building, a culture that would reach people. And so now I've got some friends when I get to heaven. Now, you might not know them yet, but if you're part of creating this atmosphere, you get some friends. And so when I think about our church and the people over the years, and we've heard today from Kyle, Kyle's going to have this awesome mansion in heaven on the sunny coast. We've heard from Kyle today, guys, in Melbourne. I know you've had testimony. And Kyle's going to go, come on into my house. I got saved because you used your unrighteous mammon on earth to store up treasure. And here I am. I'm your treasure. I'm your treasure in heaven. Whether it's Eru, whether it's Tyler, whether it's Nicholas, whether it's Josh and Shekinah, people who met guys, whether it's Des and Ann, whether it's their son Daniel and his wife Trish, whether it's generations of Rogers and Jason and Calissa and Chris and Diane, whether it's, whether it's Youngs, whoever it is here on the sunny coast, you're going, to invo- you're going to welcome us into your home because we made a decision on planet earth to prioritize storing up treasure in heaven. 
But here's the cool thing, Melps. A few years ago, five young adults, four of who got born again or rededicated their lives to Christ, left us as part of our dream for the decade to start a new church. We had Ebony brought up in the house of God here since she was three years old. Dan Frecker came back to Christ here as a teenager. We had Keely met Christ here. Jai met Christ here. And we had... Tobias, of course, who got saved and part of our youth ministry and church. Love you, Toby. Four of them, away they go. Here's what happens. Transform lives, transform lives. If you've heard the expression, hurt people, hurt people. Well, more powerful than that is this, transform lives, transform lives. So four young adults decide to move to Melbourne to start a new location and to start to make to use their, uh, their unrighteous mammon to store up treasure in heaven. And we as a church funded that, and we're still actually funding that. We've got a five-year window where we're funding Melbourne and we're headed towards the end of it. But we particularly, out of Vision Builders, funded the first three years. And then as a result of that, down in, in Melbourne, we've got people like John Michael who have met Christ and Vianne, Hannah Radcliffe and Arpa. We've got Sandra, we've got Messu, we've got Jack, we've got Kobe, we've got Livia, we've got Sam Driscoll, Sam Owen, and many others. You've met Christ because somebody said, I'm going to use my unrighteous mammon to make friends that will welcome me into their eternal dwellings. I love this. I really love this. I reckon, I reckon some Cook Island hospitality in heaven is going to be pretty special. We've got lots of cookies in Melbourne who have got saved and met, met Jesus. I reckon there's going to be some hungies in heaven, I reckon, when you welcome us into your eternal dwelling. It's a perspective that you and I have. It's going to be, it's going to be good. So Jesus goes on from that. So he says, what that guy did, Take the spirit of what he did, which is preparing for the fu- your future life, and use unrighteous mammon for that. Use it for that. Use it not for yourself. I, I've kind of got a bit of a, a thing, you know, about the tithe in so many ways is about me. The tithe is me saying, God, your, breath, your blessings on my life. The tithe is about me being in the house where there's food enough for me to eat, where I can grow spiritually. And my tithe is it's me returning to God the first 10% of my increase. But when I get involved with something like Vision Builders, it's saying, God, this is about others. This is about others getting, but the tithe really is just my due to you, Lord, as your son. But when I'm giving into Vision Builders, I'm, st- I'm storing up treasure. I'm giving for people's lives to be transformed. Jesus goes on in two verses later. He says this, Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, so worldly wealth, if you're not faithful with that, Who will commit to your trust the true riches? Jesus is essentially saying, the way you handle money is a test. The way you handle money is an indication of your heart's priorities. The way you handle money tells me if your heart is caught up and focused primarily in this age or the next age. This is Jesus and if you, he, he can trust you with unrighteous mammon, there's a whole lot. If he can trust you with worldly wealth, there's a whole lot more he's got for you. Jesus specifically told many parables about the way we handle money. Many parables. Talked a lot about it because he realized how much money has a hold on people's hearts. And if he wants to set somebody really free, it's not just your heart, it's your wallet. 
And so, but two particular stories he talked about, two, well, not stories, moments he had that give us an indication of God's heart about money. One was a rich young ruler who money had a hold of him. And Jesus challenged him to break the hold that money had and to give, give it away. He said, I want your heart. And the other was, a, was an old, older widow. I want to just read this in Mark chapter 12, verse 41. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put, watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Hmm. So Jesus is watching. Jesus watches the offering. Fascinating. Many rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins worth only a few cents. In essence, they were about... A one, each coin was one hundredth of a day's wages. So if a laborer gets 25 bucks an hour, for example, that's $200 for a day, then one of those coins was worth $2. So she had two $2 coins, all she had. And she gave it. And calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything she had to live on. Two real people that encountered Jesus, one who was loaded and rich, but money had a hold of him, and he told to give it away to break its power. Another who had barely anything, and he watched her give, and he didn't say, oh, flip, give her the money back. She shouldn't give. He said he talked about this being told for generations because of her heart. And so I want to ask and encourage you today. Uh, this is, the, the Vision Builders is not for a group of wealthy people to fund the church. There are people in our church who've got the gift of giving. And so we stir, we help and encourage those people with the gift of giving to stir up the gift that God's given to you. If that's your gift, this is the time to stir up the gift of giving. All right. But then for everybody else, if you don't have the gift of singing, we're not going to put you on the stage, but we still want you to sing. If you don't have the gift of intercession and prayer, it doesn't mean you don't pray. It just means you don't spend hours every day praying. If you've if you're not got the, the gift of being a servant, like a, that servant, doesn't mean you shouldn't be a servant. If you don't have the gift of mercy, doesn't mean you shouldn't be compassionate. And just because we don't have, you might not have the gift of giving, this is, a, this is one of those all-in vision moments for us. Now, whether, whether it's, I just want to, you know, even this year, we've, we used to have levels on our vision builders. We've, we've got rid of those. Because it's just about being a vision builder. So whether it's $10 a month, or whether it's $10 a week, or whether it's $10 a day, doesn't matter to me. What I'm looking for is if this is your church home, if the vision has captured your heart, then I would love you just to say, I'm in. And here's a monetary amount that I can afford in this current season that I'm able to commit to over the next 12 months. Like I say, 10 bucks a month. Awesome. The fact is that 10 bucks a month or $2 or four bucks a week like that lady was giving in an offering is often what really gets heaven's attention because it's not out of excess. It costs. So can we close our eyes together right now? 
And we're going to invite people to make a pledge today and also to make a pledge next week. And David is going to do that up here in a moment. Ebony's going to lead that moment in Melbourne. But I want to pray. Father, right now, you have our heart. We love your house. We're all in to see lives transformed and to store up treasure in heaven. So I just ask that you'd speak to us about how to give, how much. I'm going to ask you just in your seat right now, not to say how much you're going to give, but if you're just saying, I want to be a vision builder. This is my church. I love the vision. And I want to be a vision builder. I want to be a financial contributor. Would you just raise your hand? doesn't matter how much right now. You just, I want to be in. I'm in. You can count me in. I'm ca- Melbourne, put your hands up. You can count me in. I'm in. I'm going to make a commitment. Magnificent. Magnificent. Thank you so much. Once you've made that decision, then you just work it out with God. And if you're married, your spouse, about actually how much it's going to be. So Father, I pray that the power of your Holy Spirit would speak to us. You'd whisper to us how much to give so that we can use worldly wealth, unrighteous mammon, to make friends for ourselves who will welcome us into their eternal dwellings. We ask it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Melbs, we love you. Back to you, Ebony. Church, here we go with David Crowder. God bless you.